Mary, get your other spreadsheet ready for. I have, uh, I have literally small <laughs> screens on the second screen. <laughs> 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 I need a life. Good morning, Vietnam. I love the smell of my pub in the morning. Okay, so as a wee aside, we like to discuss what we have actually been consuming in terms of media ourselves, which surprisingly, it varies between the three of us, considering that we've got similar tastes in films and television shows. There's a, certainly a, a nice wee breadth of talent that we, t we t seem to consume. So it's always interesting to hear what everybody's been listening to, watching, reading, etc. So Mary, what about yourself? What have you been doing oh, last gosh. week? Well? Read it. I'll start off with reading wise. So, Anti Tuomainen is a Finnish author who I'd never heard of before the start of last year, and then I read six of his books last year. He is like the Coen Brothers type of humour, very dark, but very violent and very funny. So, I absolutely loved his books. So I rattled through several of them last year. If you follow me on Instagram or Twitter, you, I constantly post my, my book stacks. I read The Zone of Interest last week uh, just to see what that was like before hopefully watching the film and right now I'm depressing myself by reading The Power of Geography by Tim Marshall which basically just confirms that the the world is we're all just teetering on the brink. <laughs> In terms of TV I finished The Last Kingdom. I did I, I really liked it but for some reason it just doesn't feel as it's made as much of an impact for me as, as Vikings. I kind of although Vikings is like historically all over the place I felt like it was more of an enjoyable romp than The Last Kingdom for whatever reason and every time I watch stuff like this I'm always on the side of the the raiding party. Like, there's nothing I love more than seeing like English bishops getting the shit kicked out of them. So yes, it was it was good. I'm glad I stuck with it. It took a while to get started, but it was good. Also watched a nearly normal family and the Valhalla murders on Netflix because I'm doing my whole Scandi detective <laughs> season of life at the moment. Film wise, I have watched on movie Fallen Leaves, which is a finit. Finished film, got a lot of plaudits last year. Humour is very, very dry. Loved it. Uh, watched How to Have Sex as well. Um, the Holdovers and Occupied City, both of which reviews are on the Instagram website for that. And I watched Anatomy of a Fall, some film festival screeners, all of which reviews will come out for that as well. And I watched an old hammer horror called Scars of Dracula with Christopher Lee, which was fucking awful, but in a really enjoyable way. So... Wasn't, it wasn't 90 minutes wasted, put it that way. Nice. Hey, Thomas, what about yourself? Bookwise, I'm currently reading The, the Bell Jar, which is a last nice. minute riot. Light. <laughs> yeah. I listened to the audiobook of Breakfast at Tiffany's, uh, narrated by Michael C. Hall, which was which was very good. I really enjoyed that. Uh, although it was big for a, for a like Dexter fan like myself, and most of the shows has been a monologue. It was quite hard at times to distinguish between that. Um, Podcast-wise, I listened to John Ronson's music podcast, Things Fell Apart, and season two of it, I would not listen to season one. Go back and listen to that first. Season two was oh, incredible, absolutely incredible. And I won't say too much about it because it is really working on cold, but it's about the culture wars and how uh, it shapes opinion and the origins 
of these debates and where it came from in that. It's incredible journalism, absolutely outstanding. I watched season three of Loudermilk, which is now all on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't seen that, watch it. But an embittered, washed up movie critic, uh, sorry, music critic living in Seattle, who's also a recovering alcoholic and runs a like an AA type group. And it's, I think it's a Peter Farrelly, John, that did it. It is, it's yeah. One of, it's one right. of the Farrelly brothers, and it was a kind of, boy, it was kind of an old under radar for so long. And now it was on Prime, the first two seasons anyway. It's all on Netflix now, so I think it's going to eventually find its, its audience. It's really, really funny. Um, I was still watching. I watched The Killer on Friday night. The, Did you like it? A, no. The oh. Fast Ender Fincher one. I, I should have been called The Talker. Honestly. <laughs> um, and as a film, I kind of wonder if it suffered because it was streaming. I don't mean if you took that exact same film and put it in a cinema. If the film was made for cinema, would you have got the same film? Okay, I liked it. Mm, I, d- I liked it as well, yeah. I thought I it was thought a it pretty was decent film, yeah. I thought it was pretty dull. Um, I also watched uh, The Walking Deceased, which was a spoof movie of The Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they are a glutton for punishment. <laughs> it was good. I enjoyed the Bell of Killer. It was all fun. And I have been walking the Watching Dead, re rewatching The Walking Dead as well. So, yeah, maybe I am a glutton for punishment. Uh, I also watched Sharptopus, which I thought was great. Oh, nice. and The Iron Claw. I watched The Iron Claw the other week. That is excellent. That is genuinely excellent. Um, that's a film that I don't know why awards season is passed by passed by other awards. It's well done. It's not released too late. It came out in November in America. Ah, right, okay. Um, it came out February here, but it's brilliantly acted. It's it's, it's a well crafted film. It's a great story to the point they actually had to cut things from the film to kind of pull back on the tragedy. Of it, that just they cut out a complete character because the director said, "I don't think people can take that much tragedy in a film." And this is based, <laughs> and bear in mind, this is based on a true story. Brilliant, no, absolutely brilliant film. If Definitely. you want, like the flip side of that, like Cassandro is on Prime with Gael Garcia Bernal, which is about Mexican wrestling. And although there's tragedy in it, there's certainly plenty of comedy because he's he is a, a drag wrestler in it again based on a true story but it feels like the, the correct counterpart to the iron claw which is hyper masculine it sounds like something i could watch i mean there's also um ambulance which i watched the michael bay film oh, yeah. it, again it was just too long it, you take about an hour off that film it's this really tight action movie instead it was just like how long is rolling. it a bad day I'm just laughing because I obviously watched that Occupied City, which is four hours and six minutes, and did it in one sitting. And I was just like, can you imagine? Because obviously there was all that discourse over this is when to go for a pee and stuff like that. But given this is like a street by street analysis of Nazi occupation, there is no real point where you can go, I need to go and pee now because you might miss a couple of streets. <laughs> oh, and I also watched um, Bottoms, which is on Prime just now, and that's really funny. It's on the list, yeah. Oh, I thought, I thought it was brilliant. I, I thought it was really good. And um, if you're looking for a little 
lesser known horror film, Little Bone Lodge. Hmm? I won't say much about the plot other than a couple of bank robbers in Scottish Highlands go to the wrong house. I out. have seen lots of people talking about this on Twitter or X or whatever the fuck it's called these days. The plot, like, I, would, things. I would recommend it. Um, I was just looking through Now TV one night and it popped up and went, hmm, not just seems any good. And yeah, it was, it was very good. <laughs> okay, from myself, as you guys know, but obviously our listeners probably don't, uh, I'm involved with the Kirky Picture Palace. As a volunteer, basically I go along and sell fizzy drinks and sweeties and help put up the screen and stuff like that, just all the usual sort of stuff. It's a community-run organisation. And for the first time, they ran a Scottish film festival a couple of weeks ago, just to try it out. It wasn't a disaster, but it wasn't like a, a roaring success either. It was sort of somewhere in between. Basically, over the course of two days, they showed five Scottish films and tried to sort of mix it up so it's not just all the usual nonsense. They avoided whiskey galore, which was quite nice because the the new version of that is bloody awful. So as part of it, there was three films in the Saturday. It was The Water Horse, Legend of the Deep, which is a kid's film, followed by Wild Rose and Scottish Muscle, which was all pretty good. It was very interesting as well because there were a number of actors and each of the films who were not Scottish and they were doing Scottish accents and some of them were absolutely dreadful, really, really bad Scottish accents. On that note, in The Last Kingdom, every single actor who is playing a specific person, so if you're from England, it's an English actor. If you're a Danish Viking, you are Danish. The one fucking person who wasn't (laughs) from the place they were supposed to be from was the King of Scotland. (laughs) And it was a really bad, like, he was like, oh, I'm taking my troops out already. Like, that kind of Scottish (laughs) accent. (laughs) That really took me out of it. Yeah, because in in Scottish Muscle, one of the actors was uh, from uh, the Inbetweeners TV show. And he he was doing a... Okay, aye, aye, that's right. So it is, you know, sort of thing. You're going, what part? And these guys are meant to be from Glasgow, you know, so you're kind of saying, is that East End? <laughs> you're just not sure. But yeah, it was, it was a pretty decent wee sort of weekend. It's sort of highlight, obviously, in terms of uh, punters come through the door was for Sunshine and Leith on the Sunday. So that was, it was quite good fun, very enjoyable, quite a good way to spend a weekend and all that as well. So uh, we don't know whether they're going to do it again, but the Picture Palace thing is still going to continue over the next couple of months anyway, which is nice. And we're getting regulars, which is always a good thing as well. So uh, it's all right. Yeah, it's it's doing pretty well. Yeah, I can't take any credit for it. As I say, I'm just a a volunteer at it and just help out and hump stuff about and all that, which I'm happy to do it. It's good fun. Apart from that, there's the likes of Poor Things. So at the cinema, which is an absolute riot of a film, loved every minute of it. It was good to see that the Actress Award went to the right recipient. I thought that was... I mean, you're talking off a lot about brave performances. That was... That could have been a career-ending performance right there if she had not got it right. Yeah, yeah. There was was a a lot of full frontal nudity in it, and she was holding nothing back in her performance at all. I thought it was really, really good, well-deserving. Just um, that, that's why I about your bike, because when I first watched it and people were talking about great performance, I went, fucking acting. It's I know, I know, that. I know. But then, when I was talking to you about it before, and you put it in the terms, I went, 
yeah, because if she if that was mishandled in any way, she was fucked. Yeah. Yeah, it was more. I suppose they could call it a risky performance rather than a brave yeah. performance. But no, but I, but I understand entirely. But yeah, that aye, that's no, it's a common parlance, unfortunately. But yeah, it was. She was taking a risk, which you kind of expect in a Yorgos Lanthimos film. But you know, maybe not from like a sort of high caliber act, actor like Emma Stone. But yeah, it's good. I also saw Leave the World Behind, which came out at the tail end of last year on Netflix. It's sort of a apocalyptic type drama. There's an incident happened and it's Julia Roberts and Ethan Hawke and family are going away for a weekend and there's sort of strange things happening. It's a pretty decent film. Uh, some really, really good sort of tense moments in it. Some good use of sound and everything. I really enjoyed the hell out of it. Julia Roberts is just fantastic in it. She's, it's her and uh, Mahershala Ali. Uh, they're they're not a couple in it, but they, they sort of meet up. I don't want to spoil it for you because you should really just awesome. give it a watch if you can get a chance. It's It was pretty decent. I don't know if you guys have seen Fingernails on Apple TV+. Plus. It's a, a, a romantic drama. It's Jesse Buckley and Jeremy Allen White. And it's a, the, the whole point is like, the fingernails of the title is you, you there's a, a machine that can uh, gauge your compatibility with your partner. You basically, you pull a fingernail off each and you put it into the mach this machine and it blasts it and it says whether you're 100%, 50% or 0% compatible. So 100% is obviously you're both in love with each other. 50% is one person is in love with the other one, but they can't tell you. And 0% is, no, nah, there's there's nothing there at all. And it's about this couple who's going through it. And now she's starting to have thoughts and feelings for somebody else who actually works at the, the, sort of the institute that carries out all these tests. It's really, it's a kind of a, a very low-key kind of wee drama, but it's really, really good. Really enjoyed it. <laughs> the opposite to that would be Rebel Moon, Child of Fire, which uh, I saw the Zack Snyder film. It's uh, just come out, I think it was Christmas Day it came out on Netflix. It's a two and a half hour sci-fi romp. I don't know if you know the background to this. This was the film that Zack Snyder pitched to the Star Wars people as a new sort of trilogy or whatever for the, uh, the Star Wars universe and it got knocked back. So basically he went to Netflix and Netflix said, yeah, that's brilliant. And if you look at the film, you can see why it got knocked back by Star Wars because it's just taken, it's taken elements of Star Wars, it's taken elements of The Magnificent Seven, The Seven Samurai, uh, and wee bits and pieces from all over and sort of shoved it all into this film. It looks stunning. You know, Zack Snyder films look brilliant. But every action scene, there's a, a big slow motion element to it. And it just goes on. The film goes on for such a long time because of all these slow motion elements and all the, the fight scenes. And the first one, you're thinking, oh, that's pretty cool, you know, the way they're doing that. But see, when they do it for the third and fourth time, you're going, oh, come on. And apparently, I, and I don't get this, this is the theatrical cut of the film. They're bringing out a director's cut, which is going to be four hours long. On Netflix as well. This didn't go to cinemas, so it's not as if it. It yeah, the... yeah. No. This is you know, it's not like this is the cut that Netflix wouldn't allow you to see. They've already scheduled it for a couple of months' time, and then the second film's coming out afterwards. It's just 
bizarre. So it's in two parts. So it's a two and a half hour film. And basically the whole of the first film is bringing this band of people together to fight for not a moon, but a village on a planet that's producing corn. And you're like, what the actual fuck? You know, come on. And I've already shared with you uh, Charlie Hunnam's Northern Ireland accent yes, in this film, yes. which is just incredible. Uh, so, yeah. TV-wise, watching Monarch, which is the Godzilla sort of spin-off in Apple TV, which was pretty decent, actually. Cut Russell and Wyatt Russell playing the same character in different eras. That's pretty cool. Which is a very, very good oh, touch, actually. Because cool. uh, they've got, obviously, sort of certain mannerisms in common anyway, and you can see the way that they worked it in the TV show. I thought it was pretty good. Also started watching Ozark, which I'd always <sighs> been recommended, but never watched. I'm about halfway through season two of it now, because it's like one of these ones... I'll just watch another episode. I'll watch another episode. You know, yeah. that kind of thing. So, yeah, just pretty mad. Then your True Detective season as well, Night Country. Been watching that on that all Sky. I'm that watching a winner. Uh, the last episode is tomorrow, I think. So there's only six episodes in it. And that's, it's very good. Yeah, I can recommend that. That's, that's excellent. And one that, uh, from last year that I'd forgotten about, and it was on McHugh, Dead Ringers. The remake no. of the David Cronenberg film, and that is just absolutely phenomenal. It's a six-episode show. Now, if you're anyway squeamish about childbirth and operations and blood and things like that, I would steer well clear of this because you get to the down and dirty end of a lot of things. You know, there's uh, oh. <laughs> up close foofus. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> So that's, yeah, if, that's, if that's that, that affects you in any way. That's in the actual warning. They get at the top of the screen. It's like uh, <laughs> violence, uh, smoking. Up close, yeah, close up close. Yeah, oh, yeah but it's, it's really good. Uh, it's very well done, obviously. Um, I'd recommend that's on Prime Video as well. So, I and I've only been reading one book and it's completely trashy. It's called The Counterfeit Candidate by a guy called Brian Klein. It's the first book in the Reich trilogy. It's uh, basically a story of Hitler didn't die at the end of the Second World War. He escaped to South America, had a son who then in turn had a son who uh, was born in America and is now running to be the president of the United States. Uh, and at the same time, there is a bank raid carried out in a Buenos Aires bank. Uh, and in one of the safe deposit boxes is like a whole ton of incriminating evidence about who these people actually are. It's complete trash and it's very, very readable. <laughs> so yeah, I've been uh, working my way through that. There's, I mean, it's one of these ones you can read in a couple of days, really. So yeah, it's, it's pretty decent. And also, obviously, Unknown Pleasures. I've been working my way through those short stories by young and upcoming author. I mean, who who's that guy again? I can't remember. No, it's Thomas, <laughs> of course, it's Thomas. Uh, which I got through Amazon as well. So, yep, that's always it's always nice to um, have something like that to read as well. So, yep, that was myself. That's me. Done. Oh, hey, Chris. Chris, I love how long was he lurking in the background? Honestly, the entire time we've been playing, he cannot stop playing. Is it Tekken? Is that what it's called? Yeah. He cannot stop playing that at the moment. 
just just to let you know who wears the trousers in this house. Early on, I got a, a wee boy face in it. Eh, am I allowed to game while you're podcasting? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, you may. Uh, sure. Oh, I, I should also say as well that I have watched Anatomy of a Fall and for fans of like the staircase type of thing, but like more more wordy and much, well, I say much more ambiguous, the staircase is quite ambiguous as well, or something with a quite ambiguous ending, it's a very, very good film as well, and obviously, um, is it Justine Huller, is that her, she's obviously doing well with award season with both of her films, uh, pretty much everywhere, so. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, good show. Did I watch one of the screeners for the film festival called Sorry Not Sorry, which is about Louis C.K. Mm-hmm. and his sort of fall from grace or whatever and come back. The amount of people who are willing to go on camera and be like, oh, I know, but it's just a wee laugh, isn't it? He didn't rape anyone. I was like, wow. And that's, I feel like, people who commit themselves to, you were saying you'd ask people what Barbie was like in a pub mm-hmm. in Perth after like loads and loads of pints. Like these people were stone cold sober <laughs> committing to documentaries and things like that. I know we were you know talking what? about you having your own like semi-rogan podcast but i don't think it'd be that bad no uh, I, i'm still no entirely sure it's lucy kid but i didn't really follow it i know really i didn't really watch it beforehand i didn't really i didn't watch his stand-ups i, I it kind of like crappy by definitely think he's an american sort of phenomenon mm-hmm. i don't think it's quite translated so seemingly his sort of mo as it were was he would corner women in public places and and in rooms and just get it out and masturbate in front of them Yep, I think that was it, yeah. Yeah, but apparently on the sliding scale of sexual assault, <laughs> a lot of people are willing to say that it wasn't that bad. So it made for a, a very uncomfortable viewing at times, I have to say, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of reaction that gets. Yeah, that's a fair point. I think I think the problem is for the Weinstein thinking it, it was like, right, there's not a benchmark. It was like, well, it was no bad, it was no bad as him, so it's okay. <laughs> No, well, do you know, that's exactly what they said in the film because it was sort of around about the time as, as the Bill Cosby stuff. Mm-hmm. And they said because, on I guess, so like, if there was a scale, like Cosby was here and maybe he was like here, so therefore people didn't feel as outraged, which is insane. But unfortunately, that's probably what it's been like. That probably perception type thing. If the Louis C.K. thing came out in isolation, people probably like, whoa, man, it's a bit dodgy. Mm-hmm. But instead it was like, I could really snowball Cosby. Yeah, Which they did show horrible. the clip of Matt Damon again. <laughs> I was like, fuck, that's going to haunt that guy forever. Oh, man. He's barely getting that interview. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, every time Every time an interview is played, the truth of a clip after it goes, oh my God, it's Jason Bourne. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, like the Lucy, the Lucy K thing's interesting. But like I said, because for me, as somebody that was not a Lucy K fan, didn't I don't know who it was. I had heard of him, but I couldn't really tell. I, I didn't see any stand up for that. I couldn't tell much about him. Parkinson, Parkinson, Rick, I think it was. Yeah. It kind of came and went, and then he came back and he's come back, and now it's going to be forgiven. And you're right, I think it's merely over here. Nobody's really, I don't want to say nobody's it's bothered with it because all the people have strong feelings about it. There's no a general consensus. I mean, if it was like Bill Burr, for example, I think more people. Maybe just because I know Bill Burr more than I was here. Obviously, here for I know could be more famous, but I don't. I think he is. The way they were talking, he is. And what's interesting was as well, they were showing you like a lot of his early stand up. And a lot of it is about, 
he was like he's got a whole routine where the where the, the sort of joke as it were is what's the biggest single threat to women men and it shows you like all these different jokes from his early routines and it's like oh you were kind of telling us that this is who you were all along and it's just that everybody thought it was jokes mm. which was I mean, also really creepy as well as opposed to comparison that's in russell brand but us again russell brand's allegations are much more yeah. severe oh, yeah have they, season, have they sort of you know, gone away or like what's happened with that because i watched act, that panorama and i don't know what happened i believe it's still an active investigation so it is yeah because oh. he's come out and done a couple of like youtube videos and stuff sort of addressing things hasn't he he's just he's obviously saying it that the allegations are false i assume yeah, yeah. it's uh, what do they call it the mass media are making things up and all that yeah which is mm-hmm. I, I always uh, have a good chuckle when they come out with that saying yeah it's this you know, it's the media uh, that are portraying me. And you're thinking, you're part of the media. You've been part be, of the media for though, decades. I mean, to be fair to the, the media, um, they went back to 2013 and found allegations before they was even exposed in the media and all the corruption and the lies. So that's mm-hmm. an impressive conspiracy in itself. Yeah, well, you know, to go <laughs> on ahead. So when you're a comedian <laughs> that appears to stuff, we knew you were going to rebrand yourself they put intended mm-hmm. as this like guru type anti-media guy so we've had this in the back pocket for the last 10 years just in case mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense does it and that's like i'm talking about anger okay obviously but i just listen that scientology as well <laughs> that's the guy who was a comedian and then uh, reinvented himself as like a like guru but then we invent yourself again it's a kind of like right wing conspiracy theorist. And if you look at his like his YouTube channel and his videos, guess what ones get mad hits? Oh, as he joined the Lawrence Fox Brigade of rebranding and PR. <laughs> I mean, it's funny being people on YouTube saying things like, Oh, they've silenced me from where? Because the thing was, what was it YouTube did? They demonetized his videos so he could still mm-hmm. make them. He just wasn't making any money off them. It just, mm. yeah. Yeah. So there's the truth, and then there's the truth with cash benefits. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because that's what tends to happen with these people with the cry foul, even though they're using a mass media outlet like YouTube. Mm-hmm. You know. It's only owned by that small company, we have up on Google. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right, that's really sticking to the man, isn't it? Going on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to show them. I'm yeah, I'm going to show mass media. I'm going to go to the biggest streaming platform online and take all my content there. And you're there, should be, there should be a section of YouTube just called like White Men Cry Online. <laughs> like, oh, it is. <laughs> that's that's GB News. They've already uh, <laughs> <laughs> they've cornered that market. Well, you've got that other website, the Rumble. But I think that's where he's making his money now. And that is What's a that, it's basically what you'd imagine it to be. All the other <laughs> brands and long foxes and that and it, so is it like a YouTube though? What I mean is like what is the actual like functionality? I think, I think it's like a multimedia type site. I think right. it's like YouTube videos and articles and things like that, but that's as much as I know. Did they, they not try did they not try to set up something like that before? Like Trump supporters in America were like, oh, we're going to come off Twitter and we're going to set up our own. Many, many thing. times. Yeah, I just. They keep. Gab was one of them. 
uh, I can't remember the other ones, but I think every time they do, they end up infighting because I think it was it was one they went and set up, but then they fell out over where a pod should be allowed on it or no. <laughs> Good, it must be a good time to be a right-wing app developer. Must be making a fortune. I'll be though because everything keeps failing. That's true, actually. Um, That's why Elon Musk bought one. Still, still going. <laughs> oh, it makes me so sad that X or Twitter or whatever has just has little play thing for the moment. What I don't understand about X at the moment is if somebody posts something on it, mm-hmm. there may be like one or two replies that are actually relevant. To what's mm, actually yeah. posted and then you get somebody with it's just completely random shit for about 30 posts and i just don't understand yeah. is it me. just not is it just not like overseen anymore is there is that is that just a thing of the past now well to be fair, <laughs> yeah pretty much but to be fair there is one thing that's been quite good since i took over as a community notes that's actually been really good mm. um, and it's actually backfired against them a few times which is even funnier but mm-hmm. that's been a really good functionality that's been brought in. Uh, and on that, it's, I mean, we all still use it. So how much can we really complain about it? Yeah. It just, I'm too old to learn how to use something else. I, I'm just, I'm just, I like, I'm a creature of habit, you know, it's. Yeah, I'm setting my ways. <laughs> Listen to you old folk, James. I know. What do you like? Bring, bring back people. <laughs> oh, I remember people. Simpler days, and you had three loves that you could give per day. Simpler <laughs> <laughs> oh, times when the internet wasn't, well, I was going to say when it wasn't a cesspit, it probably was. It just didn't seem such an obvious cesspit. Yeah, it's pretty much that meme when you see the astronaut looking at the earth. It's like, oh my god, I don't know, it's a cesspit, and the astronaut behind them with a the gun saying, it always has been. <laughs> <laughs> just do one last refresh of that because I spoiled it for myself now what's the point I swore I wasn't going to do this I was going to record them and, and watch them after we were done but I need to know now I don't even know it's nominated it's the same things in every award ceremony because I've had a look at yeah. Golden oh. Globes BAFTAs and the Oscars and it's all pretty much the same yeah. it's, there's very little various slight variations but not very much at all well, unless Jason Momoa has won Best Actor for the first few days, 10 in every single category. Yeah. Not every single award, I'm sure I'd, I'd, I'd be interested. And he'd be the runner-up for Aquaman as well, yeah. No, Patrick, can you should get that? <laughs> oh, God. I honestly, yeah. sometimes when you tell me Fast and Furious stuff, I genuinely have to go away and Google it because I'm not sure if you're taking the piss out of me or not. <laughs> you know, do you know, apparently, it's Christopher Nolan's favourite film franchise. No, see, I'm going to have to go and Google this now because that doesn't sound like a credible fact. The way he sees it, it's just pure cinema. Right. <laughs> Does he? I'm very funny, but... <laughs> but I'm going to Google that. I'm going to see if I just say uh, this part's actually true. What, he actually paid a compliment? Crystal Nolan has no guilt about being a Fast and Furious fan. A tremendous What's action franchise. Hmm? What's the source? Uh, him. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> He's the source. His own Stephen Colbert talking about it. Oh, I see. Right, okay. I just, yeah, every I time I think of Christopher Nolan, I just I just wonder how he watches cinema because now there's allegedly that no cheers rule. For him on set. So I just yeah, imagine like standing at the back of an Odeon with his arms folded, like refusing to sit 
you think he, like, he's got he's, he's got like um, he's in cinema, he's got like a, a standing section like the football. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, second, I find myself. I was talking about this last week, and that's for that. Uh, I, I told about that. Genre films don't get the love they should, and you get something like Fast and the Furious. There's nothing to it apart from actions an action film. And people got tens they can have tunnel nose up to it. Don't get me wrong, there's ten of them. I get that, and some of them are terrible. But there's some. See, oh, the, the only there. way the only way they're going to get recognition is through if they introduce the like of best stunt or best stunt crew or something. Because obviously they they introduced or they're introducing best. Oh, I don't think they should. I don't think they should for an Oscar. Look, but. No, it's, it's. I think it's only a matter of time before they, they go with best stunt. There's because a it's casting award. Well, what about yeah. best action film? Yeah, no. Best horror film. Best genre. I was going to say you would have to have like either a category like per genre, so action and horror, or you would just have like a best genre film category, oh. in which case would be a bun fight between everything there. I mean, I don't see anything wrong with that. Like I said, there's been some really good horror recently, and we've talked about it before how there's a kind of snobism around or snobbery around horror films and stuff like that, but. I would have always thought that even like a special effects category and even like a hair and makeup sometimes, I think Fast and Furious kind of sneak mm. in on these ones. But obviously, no, I mean, BAFTAs, Oscars, all pretty much like poor thing, Anatomy of a Fall, the Zone of Interest, Oppenheimer, all that sort of thing. Aye, that's the thing. It's because like, I really just kind of really stuck in my head after watching Saltburn. And I don't it's mind films. I don't mind films like Oppenheimer, Zone of Interest, for example, which I've not seen it before, mm. that have something to say place for that but there's also a place for films that have nothing to say but they're entertaining you well because to be quite honest with you i'm not being funny but everyone i've heard basically everyone in work talk about saltburn mm-hmm. over the past few weeks or whatever since we come back from because since we come back from christmas over the past few weeks i've not heard a single person talk about like anatomy of a fall or fair things and well, i'm not saying that it's like but what i mean is like there there's always going to be films that are people either stream or want to go and see and all that mm-hmm. sort of thing and i suppose there's a sort of as you say there's films that say a lot and are very important and worthy and then there's films that are just pure spectacle and well interesting enough that's why i kind of had problems with salt bomb because i thought it was quite an entertaining film mm-hmm. it was trying to say something god knows what that was though in fact you watch it oh. for yourself i know you're trying to say but it's a bit muddied so if you get a film that's clearly trying to tell a message but fails give mm-hmm. me something that's just entertaining mm-hmm. instead like halloween kills come out and people actually said, what does it say? Nothing whatsoever. It's Michael Myers <laughs> propping people up for an hour and a half. It looks like what for like 20th film in the franchise or something yeah. like that. What are you wanting it to say? What killing is bad? Is that what you want? The Guardian are favourite people and the Mario Brothers and <laughs> yeah. why 17 reviews for that. One star <laughs> they gave it and said, I mean, they really missed a trip to kind of talk about the play on the kind of the Italian family dynamic. No, they didn't. They didn't miss a trick at all. They went through a film based on a computer game for kids and it actually worked really well. Kids loved it. It didn't have to say anything. How is that even a critique? Like, what the actual fuck? Films don't always need to tell, tell you something. Films could just sometimes be entertaining. Fast and Furious 10 doesn't need to be this deep dive, like, existentialist crisis film about family. It's cars going fast and things blowing up. That's okay. But you know what, though? See, even with like some horror films, like, and I know you hate this phrase, Sammy, so I'm going to try. Like, so see with the elevated horror. Yeah. See, like, see that talk to me? Mm. God, 
picture as a straight horror film and just enjoy it for that. But then if you wanted to look into it a bit deeper, you could talk about sort of, you know, meditations on trauma and grief yeah. and all that sort of thing. But there's going to be a... But you can just watch it as a horror film as well. Like, again, so maybe that's people who are reading too much into it. You can just enjoy things for just being the straight, like, scare fest or action thriller or whatever that's it is. That's the thing, see interpretation, that's one thing. Like Halloween, the first Halloween film, for example, mm-hmm. many, many film messages written on that. Mm-hmm. And you could find all this subtext in it and stuff like that. And some stuff the director's put in, some stuff he's not, that's perfectly fine. But to come away from that film going, mm, I didn't actually say that I wanted it to, so I don't like it. That's something mm-hmm. I think a lot of critics do these days. And, yeah, and to be fair, I'm very guilty of, like, for example, I know that because I read that zone of interest, I know just from reading a wee bit about it, that this film is going to be so different from the novel. Like, basically, they're just borrowing the premise and, and mm-hmm. the name. They're not actually following how it is. And I'm I'm the first to put my hand up and go, oh, it wasn't like the book, so I didn't really like it. And actually, that's something I'm trying to sort of talk myself out of. But I know there's a lot of people who, you're right, it didn't give them the message that they thought they were going to mm-hmm. get, maybe based off a 90-second trailer, and therefore the film is worth one star, as opposed to repositioning what they thought about it completely. Yeah, and it's funny because some elevated horror as well, like Dawn of the Dead, I would never consider Dawn of the Dead elevated horror. See, if that came out now, it probably would be because of the themes of it. Yeah. It's such a deep satire of... But again, you can also just watch it, it's like a kind of split level thing where you can also just watch it as a horror film or you can look into it at that. Very, very much so, but at the same time, it's there's nothing under the surface really with Dawn of the Dead in that sense. It's quite like... We're telling, we're telling you something here, it's quite clear. It's, it's not like it took decades of film research for somebody to say, I believe this is the theme. It was like, it's quite obvious we watch it. And I think a lot of kind of elevated horror, it's not, it's, it's not very subtle. It wants to say, here's my theme. I'm telling you something that's more important than just normal horror. Nah, I'll give them. Just show my horror film. Scare me. I do the lecture at the same time. Plus, also, well, what happened to some psychological horror? When did it become elevated horror? You know. Oh, do you know that's a good point. I haven't heard anyone use that in ages. Mm. As a sort of genre term or whatever, or subgenre term, whatever you want to call it. I've not actually heard anyone say that in a while. No, thank you very much. Welcome, John and whiskey. Really? Oh, no, that looks like a really posh glass. Is that port? It's a port glass, yes, but it's um, sparkling wine. It's very nice. Okay, I was actually joking when I said. These are the kind of things that you inherit <laughs> from people wanting to get rid of stuff. So I think it's like some of the first glasses we actually had when uh, we moved into our first place. And it was like, oh, we've got this pile of glasses you want. And of course, it's just a mixture of all sorts of stuff. And just, you just you use them until they break. You see the branded glass for That's one thing I don't have. I don't have a, a brandy you don't glass. Have brandy glass? No, no. I don't drink brandy. So no, that would well, be different. It's see with you're you're talking about like uh, like all these sort of horror things like these these opinions. Basically, that's all it is. It's just opinions. You've got to remember that a lot of stuff that we we're talking about this because it's an extreme opinion, mm-hmm. and they're making them mm-hmm. so they can get clicks, so they can get so they can get likes. I know, and I totally walked in there, but it's that way. It's that they're also getting paid for it. And that knows me. Yeah. yeah Plus, yeah, they yeah. also they also buy it themselves, so it's clickbait, and I just see me. 
they, they believe that it's being called in wrestling a mark for themselves. It's hard to believe they're being hype in a sense. And but hmm. isn't that the same with like the, the sort of Oscar? And, and again, this is no detriment to obviously the craft and time and hours they've gone into making these films. But isn't that kind of the same with like the Oscars and stuff? It's just backslapping yourself. It's like, look, yes. we made these worthy yes. and inverted commas films, and therefore they are creating the hierarchy of these are the films that are you know worth the statue and these are the films that aren't. But most of it's just backslapping themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. 